Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. I want you to turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. And uh, I'm, I'm going to preach a message, I'm just going to be honest with you, that um, it's, 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 it's straight, dealing with a topic that is heavy, uh, probably won't get a whole lot of amens, but that's all right, and I'll talk a little bit more how this message came about in just a few minutes, but I learned a long time ago, it's not my job to get up here and try to find something that will entertain you you want that, go get, go take a cruise and watch a show or go on up to Pigeon Forge. They got all kind of shows and entertainers up there. That's not my job. My job is to preach the unadulterated word of the living God. Sometimes it makes you feel good and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes it makes you feel comfortable and sometimes it makes you feel uncomfortable. What I've learned is let the man of God preach and if the shoe fits, wear it then do something about it. If the shoe doesn't fit, then just say, praise the Lord, it's still the word of the living God. And so I just want to preach today, and I've, I'm entitled this message, Cancel Your Reservation. And you'll understand that hopefully in just a few minutes. Second Peter chapter 3, and I want to read verses 1 through 9. I know you've been standing a while, but just hang in there for a few more minutes. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust and saying, where is this promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, and will you just kind of zero in on this verse, and I'll explain this in a minute. Just zero in on verse 7. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Heavy verse. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness but is long-suffering toward us, patiently putting up with us. That's what it said. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You may be seated. Like I said, you've been standing a while. You're probably ready to sit down. So I feel a little bit like Stephen in the book of Acts, who when confronted by his opponents responded with a narrative. So today I'm preaching a narrative. The book of Genesis 
where it all begins for us in the Bible, reveals that all things were created by the spoken word of God. Repeatedly, God said, let there be blank, and there was fill in the blank. Let there be light. There was no light, but God said, let there be light, boom, and there was light, and God saw that it was good. By his word, he created the heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars, the galaxy, the universe. By his word, he created this earth, all the flora and the fauna, and of course, his greatest creation of all, man. And everything was perfect. And then man sinned. And sin marred, listen to me, not just humanity, but all of God's creation. Sin made the earth to be placed under a curse. And so nothing was perfect anymore. Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, and sin entered the human race, and boy, did it work quickly. Adam's son, Cain, was jealous of his brother and didn't like his brother and one day killed him, murdered his brother Abel. Sin started working in the world. And as the earth was populated, the Bible tells us that the vast majority of humanity rebelled against the Creator. And God was aware of it and He regretted ever creating mankind and creation. Genesis 6, 5 says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So the next verse says that God was sorry that he had made man. His perfect creation had now become a perfect disappointment and a perfect failure. So the next verse, verse 7, says that God decided to destroy mankind. Why? Because we were corrupt and violent, and living in total opposition to God. And by the way, this decision was God's prerogative. He is the creator. We are the creation. And so, like a potter with a piece of clay, he can choose to do with us what he wants. And so when the potter makes a vessel on the wheel, and he's formed it, but then he notices there's a mar. He's almost got it perfected, but then there's a mar. If he takes it just like it is and puts it in the kiln, then it's going to come out hardened and set in stone, if you will, but there'll be a mar in it. And so the potter can take and stop the wheel, and as we'd say down south, he'd mash it, squish it. He can just mash it down and make it back into a blob and turn the wheel on and start all over again. And that's what God decided to do with humanity. He said, I'm just going to destroy them all and start all over again. And so the water that birthed creation was used by God to destroy his creation. God sent the deluge. That's the words, the words that are for the great flood that covered the earth with water and killed Every living thing, all of life was destroyed, was killed, except Noah and his family and the animals that were in the ark. And so when God concluded with that terrible judgment, the former corrupt world no longer existed. 
God started over. Here's what happened. Noah and his family were righteous, and they did the right thing, but they had children, and they had children, and the earth repopulated, and somewhere along the line, their descendants got away from God. And now the vast majority of mankind live in sin and live in disobedience against God. And we're sort of right back where, where we were again. History has repeated itself. And the flood, I said this a minute ago, let me repeat it. The flood was a day of judgment or a time of judgment, which now brings me to my text. Peter tells us that there is another day of judgment on heaven's calendar. And that's what I want to talk about for just a few more minutes. I was going to preach another message this morning. Usually my schedule goes something like this. On Monday night into Tuesday morning, I start studying, praying, meditating on what God wants me to give you on Sunday morning. Tuesday, I spend a lot of that day. Wednesday, a lot of that day studying, getting ready. By Thursday morning, I'm finishing it up, typing it, getting things done. Sometimes it takes the Thursday afternoon. So like you, I can have Friday off. You take Saturday, I get Friday. Friday is my day off. So I can go out on visitation. That's the name of my boat. That's pretty good, isn't it? Where's the pastor? He's out on visitation. Monday was full. Tuesday was full. Tuesday had a lot going on that day. Had some personal things going on that day. Got up real, real early and went to try to go play golf. I'm talking about I was teeing off at 7 in the morning. I'd get done. I could work the rest of the day and about the whole 7 I stepped in a hole that deep with my left foot and rolled my ankle and threw all my weight on my leg that is trying to recover from surgery. And I crumbled, and it pain shot through it, and I thought I had undone everything. And I went to the doctor, and they took x-rays, and they say, I'm okay. I probably tore something in there, maybe the lining of the knee. I hope that's all it is. But, but that was, Tuesday was not a good day. That was also the anniversary of my dad's death. Dad died July 18th, so that was not a good day. I just, that was, but anyway, by Wednesday morning, I don't have, I, I'm not getting anything, and I, I, I had had a conversation with someone, and I had pulled some notes out. So I said, well, I got these notes, they're laying here. Wednesday, I got to get to work on these, and I woke up Wednesday morning expecting to work on these notes, and, uh, and, and I'm laying in bed, and I'm, and I said, Lord, I was about to get up. I said, well, Lord, I need to go in there. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Now, I'm going to tell you, when this happens, God deals with everybody differently. He's very subjective. So how he deals with me doesn't mean he'll deal the same way with you. But I know how God deals with me. I've been doing this a long time. And when God deals with me, I know when he speaks, it'll sit you upright. It'll make you stop what you're doing. You don't hear it, but you hear it. I'm sorry. I can't tell you any better than that. But I heard the voice of God saying, you're not going to preach that. You're going to preach 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. And 2 Peter 3, 7 went into the front lobe of my brain like you had etched it in stone. 
I said, 2 Peter 3, 7. He said, get up and get in your study and start on it right now. I said, okay, and I'm trying to think, what is 2 Peter 3, 7? And I went in and I read this verse. That is not what I was going to, what I'm about to preach to you was not what I was going to preach. Y'all with me? So I'm here today like I'm supposed to be as the man of God, just being obedient to God Almighty. And preaching what God has said I'm supposed to bring on this day today. And I praise it. 2 Peter 3, 7 says, But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So stay with me and let me just preach simply. Here's what I understand from the scriptures. Since Adam and Eve blew it, and this world was placed under a curse, God has been preserving physical creation from his judgment. Here's what else I understand. He's also, since the time of Noah, been preserving sinful humanity from his final judgment for their sin. God has graciously permitted humanity to thrive and populate the earth. I think we're right near 8 billion, if not already there, people on this planet. Y'all, he could have unleashed worldwide judgment at any point in time in the last 2,000 years. He could have poured out wrath on sinners at any time, but he has not done it. Why? Because that other verse that I read tells us God isn't slack. God isn't giving sinners passes. God isn't saying, I really don't care. Go ahead and live any way y'all want to. Y'all, there's so many of you more, I don't even care. Y'all tire me out. Just do what you want to do. I don't care. That's not, that's not it at all. The reason why God hasn't done anything is because God gets no delight in destroying us. He loves us. We are his creation. Peter says that God is not willing that any should perish and spend eternity in hell. What God wants is for everybody on this planet to be saved and come to repentance. This is why Jesus came to the earth. The Son of God died for us. Because on that day at Calvary, the wrath of God for our sins was poured out on Jesus, not us. It all fell on him, and he died with the wrath of God poured out on him because he took our sins. on. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And that's what makes the gospel and salvation so powerful and so real is that everybody can be saved now if you just trust in what Jesus did and what the Bible says, that the wrath of God has been poured out on Jesus, and if you'll say, Jesus, forgive me and come into my heart, then the Lord forgives you and he saves you and he puts the Spirit inside of you, and it doesn't matter what you've done.
Have you ever made a reservation at a restaurant? Sure you have. They'll say, be here at such, such time. And we'll seat you. You won't have to wait. It's an appointment. Kind of like when you make a doctor's appointment, any other kind of appointment. You have a reservation. The heavens and the earth, all of creation, have a reservation with God. And in the future, this is, this is reaching way out now. Scatologically would be the correct theological term. When we're talking about end times, we're going out about as far as we can go now. We're getting way out on the end of looking out. God will destroy. You're reading 2 Peter chapter 3. Now I'm going to go to verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Are you getting the picture? The first time it was with water, but the next time it'll be with fire. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. I'll go ahead and clap. If you're going to clap, better clap. Because it's worth clapping about. You actually can find a passage about this in the book of Isaiah. That's what's cool to me. Is the Old Testament talks about this. 60, Isaiah 65, verse 17, For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth. Isn't that cool? That's not just revelation stuff. I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the formal, former shall not be remembered or come to mind. The end of the book of Revelation, John declares, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. See, this world, man has turned it into a world of corruption. It's a hotbed of wickedness. Go to any country on this planet and there's corruption and evil and people are being hurt. You know, this new movie's out and it's making people aware that slavery is still alive and well in the world. But now it's women and children with sex trafficking. And we live in our own little comfort zones and we live in the Bible Belt. But I'm telling you, this world is filled with iniquity. You have to go to work and you see it and you hear it every day. The, the, the television, the internet is full of corruption. We're, we're worried to death about our children and grandchildren because of what they're having to see and hear, things that we didn't have to look at and hear. But now it's just blatant and it's everywhere. But you hear the preacher. You can take this what you want, but one of these days, God's going to burn the whole house down. That's right. 
He's going to burn it down, the whole earth. The entire universe. Go up in flames. What will be left, Pastor? God. Because he is all in all. Mess with your head. God is reality, by the way, because all things, by him all things consist. All things consist in him. He is reality. All other realities have to exist within him. That's why he's sovereign. That's why he's in charge and in control. What will be left? God and us. That's all that's left, and the third heavens. And then God will say, y'all watch this. Let there be, and he'll start creating all over again. Let there be. There might be four moons this time. The circumference of the earth may be twice as big as it was the first time. We know there's no sea. You can build a train track all the way. You can put a highway all the way around the earth. You know why there's no more sea? Because seas separate. But in the perfection of God, we won't be separated from each other or from Jesus ever again. There's so much symbolism there. There's a reservation. And while it is true that God has graciously preserved humanity from his judgment, and I preach this with no joy, I preach this with a burden. Sinners who refuse to be saved have a reservation with God's judgment. It's called the great white throne judgment. You can read about it in Revelation. I think it's chapter 20. Where every sinner who has ever lived will stand before God and give an account for their life of sin. And this is the part that is sobering to me. And I don't know how many preachers are preaching on hell, but you got one this morning. Just as he will use fire to destroy the physical creation, he will use fire to destroy sinful humanity. Now, not destroy as in annihilation. We don't believe in annihilation. There are some people that believe in annihilation. They think that if you die in your sins and go to hell, then you just get burned up and you're gone. But that's not true. That's not what the Bible says. But yet there is destruction that takes place when you die and go to hell. It's a destruction that never stops. When something is destroyed, there's loss. So there's loss that never stops. What will you lose, sinner? You will lose this corrupt world. I've already told you that. It'll be gone. You'll lose your freedom to disobey God. You'll lose all of your pleasures. No more parties. No more flings. No more nightclubs. No more cheating your customer. No more cheating on your spouse. No more hurting people. And you get a kick out of hurting people or taking advantage of people. Those days are gone. You'll lose it all. There will be eternal pain and suffering in a lake that burns, listen to this, isn't this interesting, with fire and 
brimstone, which is the same stuff God used in judgment. I preached last week on Sodom and Gomorrah. But here's the greatest loss of all. What will be destroyed? Your chance of ever repenting and getting right with God again. It's a life sentence. Pastor, do we need that kind of preaching? We sure do. We sure do. Let me tell you why, and I'm about to wrap it up. So, Pastor Billy, come on out. Peter predicts that I will preach this message this morning and that there will be some people who will hear it and scoff and say, that guy's crazy. Oh, y'all crazy. That's not going to happen. There's no God. There's no hell. You poor religious people. Y'all messed up. That's science fiction. They laugh at us, make fun of us. Probably take my preaching this and make a, a video, funny meme out of it. That's the way they do. Just write it off. But I came here to tell you today, you better watch it. This, by the way, let me pause. I don't know what I'm preaching next Sunday. But what I have learned is I'm just trying to be obedient to God, and maybe some of you are seeing this, is that every week now for four Sundays, I seem to be in this vein. And I'm not smart enough to create this series on my own. So the Lord has to just give it to me. But things just keep connecting. Are y'all figuring this out? I preached on Lot, Lot's wife, last week. This is exactly what Lot's sons-in-law did when the angels said, fire and brimstone are coming, judgment is coming, this is all going to be burnt up. You got to get out of here. All these sinners are going to be destroyed. And Lot goes to his sons-in-laws and his two daughters who are married and said, we got to get out of here. Fire's coming. Judgment's coming. And the Bible says his sons-in-laws thought he was joking. Paul Law, <laughs> that's a good one. You been drinking? No, I'm not drinking. Two angels are angels. Wow, where's Santa Claus? See out there too? What about the tooth fairy? No, guys, listen to me. Judgment's coming. And they laughed at him. They scorned him. They scoffed him and said, we're not going anywhere. We don't believe it. And Lot had to turn around with his two daughters standing there laughing with her sons-in-laws and walk away from his daughters knowing that judgment and fire was about to rain down on those two women. And it did. See, we read these Bible stories, and sometimes we don't take them far enough to really think it through. This is no joke. You can laugh at me if you want to, but are you willing to take that chance? You want, you want to place that bet? Huh? You willing to bet your entire future on whether or not you're right and I'm wrong or I'm right and you're wrong? And really, it's not me. God's right, and you're wrong. God's judgment is coming. So this is my close.
closing. How should the saint of God respond to this kind of preaching? Peter gives the answer. He said, understanding that judgment is coming. It's not coming on us, but judgment is coming. Peter said, you ought to conduct yourself, and he uses these words, in holiness and godliness. He said, without spot and blameless. When God saves you, you're without spot and blameless. You're a new creation. And he says, now live like it. And Peter said, judgment is coming. It's not going to come on us, but don't let, listen to me, don't let sin get in the door. I preached the first Sunday to you four Sundays ago on sanctification, and that's the theme. Live a life separated from sin unto God. Turn your back on sin and on people that would drag you into sin. And say, I'm not talking to you. I'm not having anything to do with you. You get in trouble when you turn around like Lot's wife and you go back to people that you know are going to give you drugs and they're going to give you alcohol and they're going to get you in bed and they're going to pull you down. Oh, you, I'm preaching plain. I'm sorry. I'm trying to win souls here. Keep people out of hell. When what you do is you say, I'm not messing with you. If you want to mess with me, you get with Jesus and go in the direction I'm going, but I'm not going back in your direction. You can come in my direction. Turn your back on them and follow me as I follow Christ. We ought to live right. Second, we ought to look for and hasten the coming of the Lord. Be expected and excited. Are you looking for Jesus to come? Do you live every day thinking today could be the day? I mean, I, there, there are some people that don't even believe Jesus is coming back. Or they think he's already come back or something. I don't know. I, I know there's all kinds of stuff out there. But I believe Jesus is coming back. Came back the first time. He's coming back a second time. And I'm looking for his coming. The Bible says I should be looking for his coming. I should be hastening his coming. How do you hasten the coming of the Lord? I'm about to get in trouble. My sweet, wonderful, intelligent, beautiful, charming wife over here. Have I, have I protected myself yet? There are times when we're trying to get somewhere and she's getting ready. I'll be ready in just a minute. All the men know that that's, that's code for 15 minutes. See, I'm already in trouble. And I'll go in, and I've learned not to overdo it because then I'll make her mad. So I'm just real careful. I just come by the door. Let her see me. And then I walk on. If that doesn't work, then I'll say, babe, we got to go. Don't stand there, men. You young men, listen to me. Don't stand there. You're taking your life in your hands. What am I doing? I'm hastening her. Listen to me. We're laughing. Now, the Lord's going to come when he's good and ready. But you ought to be hastening it. Every day, say, Lord, would you come back today? 
Lord, for the sake of my children, come back today. Oh, God, for the sake of my grandbabies, come back today. God, for the sake of the church, come back today. Jesus, hurry up and come. He wants to hear you say, I'm looking for you, and I can't wait to see you. That's what you do with the sermon. What if you're not saved? What do you do with these words today? Two things, and I'm giving an altar call. One, refuse to be a scoffer. Stop ignoring what you're hearing today. Make it matter. Listen to what I'm saying. Tremble. And then here's the other thing. Cancel your reservation. You got a reservation. It's a reservation you don't want to keep. To stand before the great white throne judgment of God and give an account for your life of sin and then be thrown into a devil's hell. But guess what? Through the blood of Jesus and through Calvary, you can cancel that reservation. Hallelujah. You can cancel that reservation and make another reservation. Make a reservation. Get your heart right with God. And when you die, you go into the presence of the Lord. Get your heart right with God today. Stand with me all over this house. And I want everybody in this place to come to the altar. Don't anybody leave. Come to the altar. They're getting ready to sing a powerful song. Everybody come to the altar. Come on quickly. Don't don't leave. Please don't leave. Everybody come to the altar. This service is not over. Please come to this altar. Respecting the man of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, come all the way to the front. Come all the way to the front. Hallelujah. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you have an opportunity right now Somebody said, Pastor, are you scaring him out of hell? That's what it takes. I don't use that tactic. But there was a few times growing up, my mama scared the daylights out of me. It worked. Son, you keep crossing your eyes like that, they're going to get stuck, and you're going to be like that for the rest of your life. Now, that's a scare tactic. I didn't want to be cross-eyed. Crossed in my eyes. My mama says, my, does that mean my mama lied to me? But I'm not lying to you today. But you have an opportunity. The grace of God is here. You've heard the gospel. You've, you've felt the presence of God. The spirit of the Lord is here today. If you're not right with the Lord, if you're a teenager, you're not right with the Lord, a college-aged young adult, young man, young woman, you're not right with the Lord. If you're 70 years old, you're not right with the Lord. Listen, you can get right with God today. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm doing something different right now. I want to ask the church to just start interceding. Every saint of God, start interceding. Just start praying and interceding. Start praying for something. If you're not saved, I want you to start talking to the Lord and say something like this. Start, you talk. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Tell him what you are. Say, God, I'm a sinner. Come on, you got to tell him. He already knows it. He knows every vile, wicked thing you've done. He knows what you did last night. 
He knows what you did Friday night. Go ahead and tell him, God, I'm a sinner. But I believe Jesus died for me. Come on, you pray it. I believe Jesus, you died for me. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want that reservation. I want to cancel that reservation. Save me, God. I want to live right. I want to be right with you. Change my life. Change me, God. He'll change you. He'll not only wash your sins away, but he'll make you a new person, a different person. He'll make you a good person. You may think I'm a bad person. I don't even I don't even know what it's like to feel good. Well, you're fixing to feel it because God's going to make you good and righteous and holy, and you're going to be different. You're going to be a holy woman. You're going to be a holy man from this point on. Say, forgive me. I accept you as my Savior, Lord. You say it. Say it right now. I, I want you. I accept you, Lord. Change my life. Come on. Maybe, there may be tears flowing down your cheeks, but cry out to God. Say, save me, Lord. Save me. He'll do it. He's doing it right now. Right now. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with your mouth confession is made. You're confessing it. God is saving you right now. Hallelujah. God, I thank you for those that are being saved right now. God, give them faith. For by grace you are saved through faith. Help them to just trust you. God, they're not worthy. Nobody's worthy. None of us are worthy. But you do it anyhow. You're good to us anyhow. You've put up with us so long. But today, God, you're saving us and changing us. And I thank you for it, God. It's just faith. We're just depending on you. And that's enough Thank you, God, for anybody that's being saved right now from their sins. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.